0: Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermons podcast. Today's sermon features founding Pastor Ken Worline, and was recorded on Sunday, August Fourteenth, twenty twenty-two. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at nine a.m. or eleven a.m. and come say hi in person. You can follow us on Instagram at, at @faithbridge to see what goes on during the week. And as always, you can join us every Sunday for FaithBridge Live online at faithbridge.org/live. Here's Ken. Welcome, so glad that you are here. If you're in this room, if you're over in the communion venue, if you're online, however it is that you're here, we're really glad that you're here on this back to school Sunday. So if you're brand new, I should tell you we're taking a year long journey through the book of Luke. Today we're up to Luke chapter 12. All right, so why don't you turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 12, the ushers will be bringing them in our rooms and you're welcome to uh, borrow one of those, just wave at them. Or you can even keep it or uh, use your devices, however it is that you want to get there. Luke chapter 12 is where we're going. First, though, uh, let me back up and and just tell you uh, something. I haven't shared it in four or five years, and and many of you have come in, so you don't know this. Uh, But I'll tell you a story of something that went on in my life, gosh, back about 18 years ago when uh, Suzanne was pregnant with our firstborn, Wesley. I was having all the normal jittery feelings that a new dad has. Will I be able to be a good dad? And will I figure out how to do it? And all of those sorts. And meanwhile, I was trying to get a new church off the ground called Faith Bridge. And I was running around furiously trying to raise $5 million, which is a staggering amount and i thought oh my gosh because that's what we needed to build this phase 1 facility and i would find myself wondering what if we can't get there what if we get like just 2 million and what do we just pour a concrete slab and we'll sit there in umbrellas and and you know and, and what will i tell people and, and and so i was really kind of worked up about all of the things that were going on and one day I just felt something in my body, and it just didn't feel right. And after a couple of hours, I said to Suzanne, I think you need to take me to the emergency room. And she said, all right. So she took me to the emergency room. They worked me over for a couple of hours, three, four. And then they said, well, we can't really find anything wrong with you. And so they sent me home. So I was greatly relieved. But a week or two later, I f- Something, again, it just didn't feel right. And so again, I said, baby, I think you need to take me to the emergency room. And so she took me over again. But again, they worked me over and they said, we, we're really not seeing anything <clears throat> that's causing us any concern. I knew that this was a problem by the third or the fourth time uh, that she took me. And particularly when she arrived one Saturday morning and she didn't even park the car. She pulled me under the shade and she said, I'm going to run to the grocery store because I know... <laughs> See, you people are so mean, and it wasn't funny. And she said, I know that you're going to be fine, and so um, I'm going to run some errands, and then you just call me when they let you out, and and I'll come pick you back up. And, uh, but see, I knew something was wrong with me, because I could look at my, I could look at my hands, and I could see them sort of tremoring. And 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 then I hold my teeth like just and you're chattering, and I was like, I just something is wrong with me. And so the emergency room was no help, I could tell. So I decided to take matters in my own hand and I went on the internet. <laughs> and <clears throat> and after several hours of research, I I pretty well concluded either I have Parkinson's disease or Lou Gehrig's disease. But either way, <laughs> I'm not long for this world. And that's when I began to cry. I mean really. Sobbing, because I just like this is so sad. I'll never get the school, the church out of club Intermediate School. They'll be trapped there, and I'll never get to know my son. And this is just such a sad story. And every morning for about a month, I would wake up just sobbing. I was just sobbing every morning. Suzanne was like, "What's wrong?" I'm just, like, it's just, I'm just so sad about what's going to happen, you know. And she's like. They've told you four or five times, you're all right. I finally ended up in a neurologist's office, and I went through a day-long battery of tests, and finally the neurologist came in and said, all right, I've got good news and bad news, but mostly good news. The good news is, Mr. Worling, you do not have any signs of Parkinson's or Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, And more good news, you're going to save a lot of money not going to the emergency room anymore. She said, but the bad news is, you do have something. It's called chronic anxiety. She says, now there are ways to deal with that, but that's not in this office. I'm gonna to refer, to uh, refer you to someone who uh, can really help you and who's a specialist in that. She said, because it all comes down to what's called the amygdala. The amygdala is the part of your brain that it's, it's kind of like two walnuts sort of on either side. is sort of inside your temples. And that amygdala, I guess the two of them would be amygdalae, and, and so what those amygdala do is they trigger a quick response. Like, have you ever wondered when someone jumps out at you and goes, boo, and you jump back, and then you laugh because you're like, oh my gosh, you, you got me, and, but why did you jump? Your amygdala said, problem, didn't have time to sort out, oh, this isn't real, and, and so you just Moved. Your amygdala is the part of your body that God has put there that causes your lungs to fill up with air, it causes your pupils to dilate, it causes your pulse to rise, it causes you to get ready for fight or flight. That's because God gave you an amygdala. She said, but the problem is your amygdala is overworking. And the the unfortunate thing about that is it's kind of making you like a car that never gets turned off. You just keep it running. And then occasionally (laughs) even when it's a neutral, just uh, just to make sure it's good and hot. And that's what your brain is doing. And subsequently, the uh, neurochemicals like serotonin and all that need to bathe your brain and bring you back down, they're not being able to be released and work the way they're intending to work. Now, I tell you all of that uh, because I happen to know some statistics. Those statistics tell me... I'm not the only one in this room or in the communion room or online that wrestles with anxiety. As a matter of fact, before the pandemic, studies were saying uh, it was already approaching epidemic proportions, anxiety and worry, after the pandemic, even more so. As a matter of fact, one study I read uh, said one in three people wrestle with anxiety and worry. That either means it's you or the person saying that you're right or the person sitting to your left, okay? And so that's why we need to talk about it. But conveniently, Jesus is going to do it for us as we work through Luke. And that's why I wanted to, to, uh, just to tell you that uh, so that you'll know you're not the only one. I know what it feels like to wrestle with this. And the good thing is it's nothing new. If Jesus, if it wasn't a problem 2,000 years ago, Jesus wouldn't have spent any time talking about it. But clearly the people back then They knew about worry as well. They knew about anxiety themselves. That's why he talks about it. So let's read and listen to what the wonderful counselor tells us about this. Starting in verse 22, Luke 12. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, about what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on. For life's more than food, and your body's more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And if then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire or the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do you not seek what you're and do not seek what you're to eat and what you're to drink, nor be worried. For the nations of the world seek after these things. But your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. This is a great passage. Because like a great surgeon, Jesus is going to take his scalpel and he's just going to go right in underneath all of it and he says if you'll just sit still and you'll let me work on you I can do a transforming work inside of you and so what I want you to do is grab your pen or your smartphone and I want you to jot down three things that you'll ponder from this passage even as we go from here today three things that Jesus says so very clearly the first one is this first of all he's saying think it out I want you to think it out I think it's cognitive behavioral therapists who that's what you do. Is you're like, let's go back upstream to the headwaters of the, where, where the worry is, and let's really think this out. That's what Jesus is doing. And he's going to give us five reasons that we need to think it out. Look at, look at what he says. He's, he, he's saying, reason number one, think it out. Because God's our creator and our sustainer. You see that in verse 22. In other words, he's saying, if I'm big enough to create you, if I'm big enough to make your lungs pump air and your heart to beat and to keep you alive, do you not think I'm big enough to take care of some clothes and food for you? That's the small stuff. If I can create you, the big thing, I can take care of the lesser things as well. Think it out, he says. Secondly, you're worth more than the birds. He says that in verse 24. Look at the ravens, he says. Now, what were ravens? Ravens were scavengers, sort of trash birds, the lowest of the birds. And yet, what's he say? He says, your father takes care of even the ravens. Every single morning he provides for them fresh roadkill. But that's what they like. And so if he'll take care of them, think how much more he'll take care of you. Think it out. Third thing, he says, reasons that you, you, you oughtn't be spending time worrying It's because it doesn't work. Worry doesn't work. You see that in verse 25. Who by worrying can add an hour to your life? You're not going to add any length to your life by stewing about it. In fact, knowing what we know about medicine and and, and all today, doctors would probably say, you're probably going to take away hours of your life by worrying. Because that's what causes insomnia and ulcers and hypertension and heart attacks and these sorts of things. It's not adding to your life, though. Be sure about that. Worry doesn't work. Think it out, Jesus says. Fourth reason. Because you're a lot more important than the flowers and the grass. And and you picture Jesus on the hillside teaching the disciples. And look at all this beautiful, in the springtime, look at all this beautiful green grass. Look at all these beautiful flowers. Sort of like we have the beautiful blue bonnets in in Texas there for a few weeks. He's saying, now now think about this. He's talking to his disciples. He told us that right there at the very start. He said to his disciples, he said, so boys, I want you to think about this. If God will take the time to make each of these flowers and each of these blades of grass so beautiful, and how long are they going to be alive? A few weeks, a few months maybe. Mm Mm-hmm if you live in Houston, mid-July, whoop, they're scorched. It's all over by the, and that's what he says, and then they're thrown into the oven. Right, now, if, if God would take care of each of these little flowers and grass, that they're only going to be here for a few weeks, a few months. He's going from less to more. How much more will he take care of you? You're going to be here 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 years. Think about it. Think this out, men. He's saying, if he'll do the little thing, he can do the big thing, last thing. Think it out, he says, because believers get a pass on worry. You don't have to worry. And he says this interesting thing in verse 30. He says, that's for the pagan people, or the people of this world, or the nations of this world. What he's saying there is, is look, you, you're a believer. So you have a savior. Now those people, they don't have a savior. They don't want a savior. They have nothing to look forward to. They have every reason to worry because the end of their life will come and they don't look forward to 10 million and more years in the kingdom with me in heaven like you're going to have. So they have every reason to worry. But you don't have any reason to worry because you get it all. And if I'll give you all of that, don't you think I can take care of you for a few years, a few decades here on earth? Why would you live beneath your privilege as a believer? Why would you live like a pagan? He's saying, so think it out. Now, I know what's going on in some of your minds right now. Some of you are pushing back. And you're saying, well, that would be nice. I mean, it sounds all well and good. But look, I live in a real world with real problems and real responsibilities. And I can't just like just shirk those responsibilities. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying nothing about shirking responsibilities. He's saying nothing about living with haphazard carelessness. He's not giving us a pass on responsibility. He's giving us a pass on worry. See, so so Jesus isn't saying, so therefore, just don't, don't bother paying your bills. Don't bother getting annual checkups at the doctor. Don't bother doing your homework. Don't bother studying for the exam. Don't bother putting in the smoke alarms. He's not saying any of those things. No. He says in another instance, very, very plainly, Look, if you're going to build a tower, you should count the cost before you begin construction. So he's not anti-responsibility. He's just anti-worry. In other words, he's saying once you've done whatever is responsible, whatever you can do in a certain situation, great. But you shouldn't just keep idling on that and, 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 and keep uh, just uh, revving the motor about that. And I was just worrying because there's nothing more you can do about that. It's out of your control. And so you, you, you can't be sitting around just saying, well, what if my kid's marriage fails? You know, what if my grandchild has an accident? What if the company that I work for goes out of business? What if it is cancer? He says that, those things, you can't control those things. And so you're doing nobody any good by sinking hours of your day in nervous energy that direction. Those things are out of your span of responsibility. So what are we to do? He's saying what you are to do is to put your lasso down and quit trying to yank terrible potential futures into the present that aren't here. Instead, he says, change your focus. Think it out, that's the first thing. Second thing, change your focus. Look at what he says in verse uh, 31. He says, instead, instead of what? Instead of worrying about all these things that we just went through. You're thinking it out. He says, now, instead, what I want you to do is put your mind on the kingdom. Seek his kingdom first. Uh, Now, the first actually isn't in Luke. I said that habitually because that's Matthew's version in 6.31 or 6.33. And I think the first is an important adverb. And and I think that's important because if you don't have Seek the Kingdom First, we can rationalize. Well, I am seeking the kingdom. I mean, it's, it's number nine or number 13 on my list after I've done this and after, and after I've stewed about this. And I was finally, it's like, okay, we've come to prayer. I guess there's nothing left to do. And he's like, no, no, see, you've got that backwards. You're supposed to go first for the kingdom. And <clears throat> uh, because if you don't, here's what's going to happen. Instead of God being in the center of your solar system and everything revolving around him, you're pulling into the center of your solar system something else. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's a job, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a grandchild. You put anything else in the center of your solar system and it's only a matter of minutes before all of a sudden it's not gonna be going around very smoothly anymore. You say, well, that, I know that that is true, but what option do I have? He says, instead, seek first the kingdom. Let me illustrate this way. I read an interesting story about Queen Elizabeth, not Queen Elizabeth II, Queen Elizabeth I, hundreds of years ago. So she was commissioning a voyage that was going to come over to the new world. And there was a certain man that she needed to go on that voyage for his certain skills that he would be able to bring that would uh, uh, virtually ensure that the voyage would be a success. She brings him in and she says to him, sir, I need for you to go on this uh, voyage. And explains the whole thing. and And he says, queen, well, I would love to go on the voyage. I run a small business. And it's in a perilous situation right now. If I leave, I will lose the whole business. And the queen says to him, my dear sir, if you will mind my business, I will mind your business. And instantly he realized, here's the queen with all the power, with all of the wealth, She's saying, if I'll just put my energy for the cause that she needs me to use my skills, she'll fill in all the rest back here. I can't lose. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. You're getting all worried about all these things that are going on in your life. I see that you're doing that, Jesus is saying. But I'm telling you, instead, if you'd seek my kingdom first, I can take care of all these other things. They seem like big potatoes to you, but they're not big potatoes. They're small potatoes to me. I can take care of those, but I need you to mind my business first. It's an if-then offer that he's giving to us. You say, okay, well, I think I would like to take him up on that offer, but how do I do it practically? What do you do to, like, seek the kingdom first? Well, you move him into the center, and the best way to do it is to use the tools that he's given us. Tools like what? Tools like a devotional life. Let's start there. How's your prayer life? Do you start your day every morning with your prayer journal, with your Bible, reading some of the verses of Scripture and ruminating on those and and talking to the Lord and writing down some thoughts and impressions? Or does your day start with your social media or news feeds? Or before you hardly got your coffee, you've turned on the, the cable news? Those are not the kingdom. That is not the kingdom. That's the kingdoms of this world. And if within 10 or 15 minutes you're already feeling anxious and irritable, and, well, of course it is. You're not taking him up on what his offer is. He says, Seek first my kingdom. Why don't you start with me? Or what about Sabbath? The way that he, 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 he wired us as human beings was to work six days, but to rest on the seventh. And to, to, to have that day to get recalibrated and, and to reconnect with God and to worship Him, to reconnect with other people and, and to, to get re fortified and ready for the next week so that we go in full. But I can't tell you how many people I know who say things. I see you at the garage. I haven't seen you in a while. Yes, we're just so busy. We're just busy, 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 busy. I am anybody who's not busy. It doesn't have to do with busy, it has to do with priority. We're going to get back. We want to get back. It might be a year or two, but then we're going to finally get back. That's fine. Jesus says, okay, you want it that way? I'll let you deal with all your problems. And you can have all the stress. I'm just saying, if, then. If you put me first, (laughs) I could do miracles. I can make more things happen in five minutes in your life than you can bring about in five months but you have to seek first the kingdom. What about serving? We saw the great video with uh, Christy. Some of the happiest people that I know are the people who who, who say one of the best hours of my life each week is when I serve with my curious group or my small group, my serve team, when I go down to BFT and I serve the children down there. It's just, that's the best hour or two of my life every single week. Now, why do they get to be happy? Why do they get to be joyful? Because they're putting God's kingdom first. They're taking up the if, then. They're like, it's really weird. Ever since I signed up and I said, I'll do that. It's like, I've been more relaxed. Life just seems to be working better. There's our marriages getting along better. Or, or what about, uh, here's another tool, tithing, Generosity. Clay priest on that a couple of weeks ago. Very effectively, very challengingly. And basically, what is the tithe? The tithe is saying, okay, God, I'm going to bring you from all that I've earned this week. I'm going to bring you the first 10%. I'm going to give you the first fruits. And I'm going to trust that in the wonder of your grace and the math of your kingdom, you'll supply in the rest of the 90% miraculously in ways that I can't quite comprehend. Any number of you have, have, have stepped in, you have like, it's so true. I used not to be generous, I used not to tithe. We would try to live off, and <laughs> we'll get around to being generous one day, but then finally we took the plunge, and we said, no, no, we're gonna start with God. We're gonna put his kingdom first, and we're gonna be generous. And there's enough, God's been giving us enough. And he surprises us with blessings that come along. And we weren't even expecting those blessings. How do you explain it? Jesus said, well, it's very simple. If then, if you'll seek first my kingdom, I'll take care of the rest. You mind my business, I'll mind yours. But you want to mind your business first? You're on your own. See how that goes. All right. So first thing he's saying, think it out. Second thing he's saying change your focus change your focus to the kingdom okay last thing third thing you're gonna to have to get down to the root of the issue you know what the root of the issue is the root of the issue is trust when we're worrying that's really what we're saying is god i don't trust you I mean, I trust you for my ever after. I trust you for when I die. I trust that I'm not worried about dying. I know I'm going to go to heaven because I have Jesus. He's my Savior. And I understand the gospel. And I'm looking forward to those 10 million and more years. I'll be with you and all my loved ones who knew Jesus. And that'll be glorious. At which point you can almost hear God say, I <laughs> So what you're telling me is you trust me for the next 10 million and more years of your life, but you don't trust me for next week. That makes Think that out. That doesn't make sense. But see, that's what we do. In essence, what we're saying to God is, you know, I just know how busy you are, God, and so I'm going to help you out. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to stew and worry and fret about this, you know, because I, I know you got a whole lot of things. I just don't know if you can take care of my finances. I don't know if you can take care of my child, my grandchildren, my aging parents. I just... You need my help. So I'm going to spend, I don't know, two hours, maybe three, and I'm just going to worry and be anxious about this because I want to show you I'm committed. And the Lord says, That is foolish. You're going to hear the, the, the Lord saying, Okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so you're telling me that I'm grand enough to come up with a plan of salvation, this, this whole reality. That our great God loves each of us so much that looking upon us in our sinful, fallen nature, rather than trashing us and throwing us away in the trash can, he moved towards us. He came into our world, put skin on, flesh and blood, lived among us for 33 years live the life of sinlessness that we couldn't live so that he could die the death of suffering and punishment that all of us deserve so that on the third day he could conquer the grave and offer us life abundant and everlasting. You're saying you think I'm grand enough to come up with that whole plan, but I can't help you get the job that you're really, really, really hoping for? if I think that really is the very best job for you? You think I can come up with that whole grand plan, but you're not sure I can take care of your graduate who's moving into the dorm this next week at college? That makes no sense. He says, you, you back it up. You've got you to think it out. You've got to change your focus. And you've got to get to the root of the issue. You're, you're, you're not trusting me. You're trusting me for eternity, but you're not trusting me for today. And then he says this great verse in verse 32. He says, fear not, little flock. It's very tender. He's using a diminutive, a, a, a little flock. Basically, he's, he's saying, you're just, look at you. You're a bunch of little sheep and you're scared. I get it. And see, what Jesus is doing is he's triggering their mind, his disciples, and he triggers our mind to one of the great passages in the whole scripture. And that's the 23rd Psalm. A, 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 when he's talking about the shepherd and the flock, he's saying, hey, I am your shepherd. It, it pleases me to give you the kingdom. Now go back to the 23rd Psalm. If the Lord is my shepherd, then what am I? Talk to me. Yeah, I'm sheep. And so one of my professors years ago He did something that I never forgot. He said, so if I'm one of his sheep, then there's only one way to read 23rd Psalm. It's like this. Now this is a vulnerable position. Wolves might come along from behind. They might attack me. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He's a good shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. You're my shepherd, I know that you're the and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What's the rod and what's the staff? Shepherds had the, the staff that they would like bring the sheep back in by the neck. And the, the rod, think of that as a, as a small Louisville slugger, kind of a little club. And so a wolf comes along, bam, you know, and, and right there in the head. And, and so the sheep is saying, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Look at all these these wolves out here, Shepherd. I see them, but I'm standing right here with you. I've got my rod. I've got my staff. Why don't you eat this meal that I've made for you? You relax. I've got this. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And one day I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's good news. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to help them to remember, you're not trusting. Do not remember who I am. I'm the good shepherd. <laughs> and so I want you to trust me. Don't be the scared little flock. Turn to me and let me do what I always had in mind to do. See, when you're spiraling to, into worry, friends, your, the, the heart of the problem is that your heart isn't really trusting him anymore and we shouldn't listen to our hearts anyhow because our hearts are prone to wander they're fickle And and see, that's the problem. We lie in bed at night and we start listening to our heart. We're like, oh, boy, here's everything that's going to go bad. Oh, and then this will happen. And see, the devil, let's not count him out of this. He's very much, I mean, he knows the amygdala too. And he's like, oh, I see a vulnerable amygdala here. And he'll come and he'll start working you over and he'll start talking to your heart and telling you every bad thing that might possibly happen. And that's why you can't listen to your heart. What do you have to do? You have to talk to your heart. And that's why we have to take advantage of the tools that he gives us. What's one? One tool is God's word. Take advantage of his word. When you feel your heart start talking to you, oh, boy, this is going to go bad. I just know it's going to go bad. It's going to go bad, 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 bad. It's just bad, bad, bad. I'm just. Stop. He says. Think it out. Stop and think it out and swim back upstream and change your focus and ask, am I trusting? And if not, let's get back to his word. What story are you telling yourself? That's a good question. Ask yourself, what story am I telling And is it true? Because many times it's not true. It's a lie of the devil. So how do we get truth? We turn to God's word. You say, well, I don't, I'm kind of new to this. I don't know all the good verses that will bolster me. I did you a little favor. I've made you something to give you when you walk out today. Or you can just grab the QR code. I just called it scriptures to help us in times of worry. And I just put down some of my favorite scriptures. And I want you to get this, and I, and, and, but I don't want you to just carry it around in your pocket like a rabbit's foot. That won't do you any good. You have to read them. You have to memorize it. What if you took one each week and you, and you, and you memorized it? And then the worry and the anxiety starts to come upon you at night when you're lying there and, and, you're, and you're scared. And, and you, then you start talking to your heart. And you say, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I know, God, that your grace is sufficient for me. Even though I feel so weak, even though I feel so, vi- so, so vulnerable, I know that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. So I'm weak. Fill me now with your strength. Take advantage of God's word. That's one thing. And then one other. Take advantage of God's people. Take advantage of God's people. One of the hardest thing about the whole pandemic was how it separated us from all the people, and pulled us away from it. And and it, well, let me ask you this: You're not even a shepherd, but you can reason this. What's the most? What's the? You know what the most vulnerable uh, sheep is? The one sheep who's out by himself. Why? Pfft. Fair game for all the wolves. And see, that's what my my fear is for, for any number of Christians is they're they're still sort of living with a pandemic mindset. Well, I, I, I kind of learned how to do it on my own. And no, wait, 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 wait! You're missing out on the body of Christ. We're made for community, and that's why we got this big uh, ministry expo today. And opportunities for you to find an on-ramp. So you know what? I think it is time. I need to. I want to get on a serve team. I, I want to be, get in a grow group. I, I need to move towards some people. I've got to move out of isolation because if the devil can get you singled out, he'll get you picked off every single time. And so I want you to move into Community. Take advantage of that. We give you, I think you sat down on one of these, and so you can, you can certainly take that home and you can look at all the options for ways that you could find an on ramp. But I don't want you to just, just re- I want you to go over. That's we we've got food even for you. So, hey, what could be better? Go take advantage of the tacos and the, and the tea and actually talk to somebody at one or two of the booths. Get their information. Say, you know what? I think I would. I think I'd step over the line and I think I might try to get involved because I need to come out of isolation. Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, pity the one who falls but has nobody to help them up. That's what we're here for. That's what we do with one another. We carry one another's burdens in community so that their load might be cut in half so that the joy might be multiplied. Some of you are saying right now, you never did talk about getting counseling or even medication. And that's because I'm out of time. (laughs) But in a few minutes, I'm going to go up in the studio. and I'm going to actually, uh, Tyler's going to interview me. And we're going to talk about that because I have some very clear thoughts about that. And so if you need a postscript, why don't you watch that? They'll get it loaded up this afternoon or this evening because I've been the beneficiary of both of And uh, I'd love to talk with you about those as well. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, the truth of your word. Thank you that even your disciples 2,000 years ago, they were worried. Their worries were in many ways simpler than ours. They, they, they really were worried about where will I get the food, where will I get the clothes? And that's why you, you move straight from that story of last week, the guy that was building all the barns to store it up, store it up, store it up. And you said, oh, stop, stop. I'll provide for you. You don't have to worry. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven instead. God, would you fill our hearts f- with faith? And help us to respond to your goodness. Relinquishing our need to be in control. Forgive us for our lack of trust. Move us towards you. Especially as we move into this new school year. Move us closer to your word. So that we're actually utilizing it. As well as the benefits of community. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.